A few weeks ago, my husband Mark and I took our son Lewis to Cheekwood. Lewis is about 16 months old now, so he is walking. Really, he's more like running and falling down over and over. Um, but if you've never been to Cheekwood, it's just down the street, really, from Belmede, and it's a big open space with beautiful gardens. And during different seasons, uh, they offered fun seasonal things. And so it was October when we took him there on a Saturday afternoon, and they had pumpkin spread out everywhere. And Lewis had not really seen many pumpkins before that. Uh, so he was running through this pumpkin patch, uh, doing one of two things. He was either picking up the pumpkins and slamming them on the ground. Like, have you ever seen uh, world wrestling where they do like body slams? Like that was the extent of the, the pumpkin slamming. Um, to which I was looking around nervously like, is anyone noticing this? Are we gonna have to pay for these pumpkins? <laughs> Uh, so he was slamming pumpkins, or he was trying to eat them. <laughs> so I had a picture in the 830, I wish you could see it, but there's this picture of him with his teeth on top of the pumpkin, like trying to bite down into it. Now they have these little structures at Cheekwood uh, where they put pumpkins all around it. So they've sort of made little pumpkin houses. If you've been there, you've seen this. And Mark and Lewis and I were inside one of the pumpkin houses, just exploring and having fun. And you know, we were so caught up in our own moment. We were enjoying watching him laugh. Um, when all of a sudden this voice said to us, hey, can you move over because you're in the back of our photo. <laughs> and uh, we were kind of taken aback. You know, we just looked at each other and then we were just like, okay. And we, we ushered Lewis out of the way. Um, and she wasn't rude to us or anything. I mean, we were taking our own pictures. But as we walked around the grounds, I really thought about that moment and how often we spend time documenting life instead of living it. This happened to me in maybe a more intense way a couple years ago as well, when Mark and I were traveling through Europe. We went to Paris and we were at the Louvre and we, we spent like six hours in there just exploring the art um, and all of the galleries. And I was finally making my way to the Mona Lisa and I wanted to hear on that little sound thing like why it was such a big deal. So I'm listening to the uh, history of the Mona Lisa and all of a sudden I get pushed out of the way, like completely pushed to, to my left side and I turn around and it is a grown man has pushed me. <laughs> and uh, we did not speak the same language, but I think he understood it when I was like, what did you just do? <laughs> and I throw my arms up at him. Um, but you know, those, those instances and this culture that we live in where we're constantly taking photos and we're posting on social media and we're taking selfies and we can become quite absorbed with ourselves, right? And we can become um, so impatient one, with one another and so absorbed in documenting that we miss the moment. We miss the experience. We miss the sacred presence of Jesus. And I would say by extension, we miss the sacred presence of our neighbors and our loved ones. So this story about Mary and Martha and Jesus to me is a warning about being consumed by ourselves and our busyness and our entertaining. As I ruminated over this text, especially as the holiday seasons approach, I felt like many of us could understand Martha and relate to her. Our calendars are typically packed full, but the holidays amplify that by 100, right? We have staff parties and we have lists of gifts to buy. We have to tediously plan travel and then we actually travel, which is very exhausting. We show up and we help with community partnerships. We serve and we cook. 
and we host people in our homes, and all of those are good things, right? Those are good things that bring us joy. But sometimes we've become so accustomed to running around and being busy and serving and making sure that everything is just right that we forget to just be. We forget to be still and to be present and to take in the goodness of the people around us. You see, Martha is indignant because she perceives that she is doing everything. She perceives that she is doing the most important thing. She looks over while Mary is just sitting there and she is pouring sweat. So she says to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Go and tell her to help me. But Jesus offers maybe this lovingly reprimand, oh, Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted. You are worried and distracted by many things. There is need for only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So sometimes we think that we're doing the most important task, but Jesus says, do not be so worried and distracted that you miss the one thing that matters. As one writer said it, Martha is distracted by parts of the meal, but Mary has chosen the good part. So as we enter into the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we gather around our tables, I'm wondering how we're gonna be present to our loved ones. How are we gonna choose presence over perfection? How are we going to experience the good part? Now this is where some of you will say to me, Sam, if I sit down for more than five minutes, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> I stay busy to stay sane, right? And I will say to you, I get it. Like it is hard to be present with people that drive you batty. Sometimes that is your family, right? It is hard to sit down with people that you only see once or twice a year and maybe have different perspectives than you do. But that's why I'll first say to you that you need to learn how to put a cap on your family time, okay? If you have to travel to see your family, there's a three-day cap. Like two and a half days is too short. But three and a half days, you're over there in the corner Googling like how to get home on Southwest faster, right? Like, please tell me you do that, right? <laughs> but really what I would say to you, and I'm saying to myself, is can we come to the table with a different approach this year? What if you, what if you were the spiritual leader of your table? What if the binding nature of the table could be experienced because you set the tone? What if you show up and put your phone down? What if you turn the TV off? What if you make conversation that leads to common ground? You see, the table brings people together if we sit at it and fully embrace it. In my study of this text, I also read that this story is actually supposed to be seen in conjunction with the story that comes before it. The story that comes before it is the parable of the Good Samaritan. A lawyer asked Jesus in this parable, how do I inherit eternal life? And like all good teachers, Jesus turns the question back on the lawyer and he says, you know what, you've read the law, how do you read it? Which, by the way, shows us that Jesus is offering us to make interpretation. He says, how do you read the law? And the lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
So Jesus goes on to tell a story about a Samaritan who sees a dying man and attends to him. And sometimes we miss these details, so I want you to hear them. This man pours wine on the wounds to cleanse them. He puts oil on them to keep them soft. He then puts him on his own animal while he walks to an end. And the text says that he spends the night with him. It's not until the next day that he offers his wages and says, I'll come back and give you more money if you need it. When he's done speaking, Jesus tells the lawyer, you need to go and do likewise. And so this story for many of us has become an example of how to love our neighbors and care for them in the ways that we would want to be cared for and loved. But the story of Mary and Martha help us to live into that first commandment, to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. So this means we have to pay attention to what Mary did. It says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet and she listened to what he was saying. And so the life of a disciple is to go and do and to sit and listen. I heard a colleague in his sermon recently use this phrase um, that's really caught my attention. He said, sometimes we feel like we're a mile wide and an inch deep. Sometimes we feel like we're a mile wide and an inch deep. And I think there's many reasons for us. You may have your own reasons. I'm gonna guess at some of them, like we're not very good at saying no. We're not great at making boundaries. Uh, We take on too many tasks because we wanna be needed and we wanna be valuable. Or we've learned that we're only as good as what we produce. But lately, I feel like God has been bringing me back to this thought. You can live in a scarcity mindset, or you can live with a mindset on Jesus. Which by the way, Jesus added the word mind to the commandment in the New Testament. So that indicates to us that loving God with our minds may be one of the harder things to do. In a scarcity mindset, we never have enough. We don't have enough time, enough energy. We don't have the gifts. We don't have enough imagination or enough skills. But a mind that is handed over to Jesus, that is set on Jesus, knows that there will always be enough. And I wanna ask you, how many times in your life have you worried about how something would get done and then it happened? How many times have you learned that resting instead of pushing through actually ends in better results and more productivity and a healthier version of yourself. You see, over and over in scripture, we see that God provides exactly what is needed, like manna in the desert, like quail at night. Following this uh, story is gonna be the, the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for daily bread, enough for today. And then sometimes in scripture, where there seems like there won't be anything, let alone enough, like the loaves and the fishes on the hillside, there ends up to be an abundance. So I wanna say today, if you turn your mind over to Jesus, you will learn to live with a trust that he will meet your every need. And in some cases, he will give you more than you asked for or imagined. I also think that if you turn your mind over to Jesus, you will begin to operate out of the messages that he gives you. In the stillness and the silence, he hushes those voices that we hear in our minds. 
The voices that say, it's not good enough, I'm not good enough, it's not how my mother would do it, I need to make my father proud, I'm a failure, nobody really wants to be with me. And he whispers a different narrative. He says, you don't have to try so hard. You do not have to perform. You are good. You are enough. You are worthy of love just as you are. So my prayer today is that we can be like Mary, stopping long enough to sit at Jesus' feet and let him speak to us so that it's his love and his presence and his words that orient, orient us in this world, not any other voice. So today and in the busy weeks to come, I hope that you embrace life, that you feel that fullness that God is extending to you, and that we practice together, turning our whole selves over to Jesus saying, yes, you have my heart, you have my soul, you have my strength, you have my mind. Jesus, you have every piece of my life. May it be so. Amen.